Welcome once again to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. The wounds in his hands, the wound in his side. In this Easter Sunday episode, Pastor Andrew unpacks events after the resurrection and explores our doubt. So what do we remember Thomas for? Poor guy's got this thing called Doubting Thomas. Is that right? You know, he wasn't the only one who doubted. The whole lot of them, not one of them, believed it. And I don't know if you picked up in the Gospel reading the clue to that. What was it that Thomas said he must see if he was going to believe? were the wounds in his hand and the wound in his side. But if you go back a few verses, and Jesus appears in a locked room, he just appeared in their midst. And then he says, peace to them. He showed them the wounds in his hand and the wound in his side. Now, I'm sure that showing the wound in his side wouldn't have been that easy with the clothing he would have been wearing. Why did Jesus do that? Because he knew he was walking into the midst of a group of people who hadn't believed Mary. There was already doubt in the room already disbelief. And before they could even express it, he showed them the wounds of his hand and the wounds in his side. And they believed him. And then Jesus does the most amazing thing that is staggering. When you think that the divine who holds the authority of forgiveness. In fact, if you remember some of the stories in the Gospel where Jesus is healing someone and the Jewish leaders are contesting the issue, he says to one man, your sins are forgiven. And the leaders say, but hold on, only God can forgive sin. So what was Jesus claiming to be? Or what was he actually doing? He was taking the place of God in the situation. Well, he was doing that because he was God. But they just couldn't believe it. So unbelief in the Jewish community is rampant. So strong is its unbelief that it hangs its own saviour, its own Messiah, its own God on a cross under Roman rule. 
They didn't even do the deed themselves. They pushed the Romans into crucifying their Messiah. And yet, as the Gospels tell us, this wasn't Pilate's choice. It wasn't the Jewish leader's choice. It wasn't the crowd's choice. This was the will and the purpose of God for Jesus. It's why he came. He came to die on the cross. He chose to die on the cross. He could have called it off at any point in time. He could have said, Father, look, no, let's try another way, and thousands of angels would turn up and take him off the cross. Jesus was in control of the events that he was going through at every level. There are others who might have other followers come and take them off the cross. But no, Jesus would call the angels in because he had control of the angels because he's the son of the living God. So there on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. And over the early centuries, that disturbed some theologians, some scholars and preachers who couldn't handle the fact that the Son of God would somehow rather die on the cross. So at the critical point, they had the Son of God leave the body of Jesus before he died. But if that was what would happen, it would undo everything that Jesus as the Son of God was doing in his preaching, in his teaching, in his life, and his sacrifice for us on the cross. So the Son of God on the cross died with Jesus. I don't know what that means. That is such a mystery. I mean, how mysterious is the fact that the Son of God could take human form? And sometimes we dig into mysteries that actually destroy the mystery and its meaning altogether. But there in the cross, the Son of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, died for our sins so we could be forgiven. Coming back to my comment on forgiveness here, it is the authority of God to forgive sins. And here, Jesus says to his apostles, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They are not forgiven. So Jesus has handed God's authority in the area of the forgiveness of sins over to his apostles. And the church believes, and I agree with them, that through the laying of the hands of the apostle Peter, that this authority has been handed down through the bishops and through the priests who are given that authority. 
So when we confess our sins in church and the priest gets up and does the absolution, he doesn't use words like, may God forgive you. He declares forgiveness. And when he declares forgiveness, it's as if those sins had never, ever happened. The slate is wiped clean. The forgiveness is through and through. With one exception. Now, how could you say there's an exception if the slate has been cleaned and we're forgiven through and through? When God forgives us, he expects us to forgive others in return. And Jesus says, if you do not forgive others, then neither will my heavenly Father forgive you. So this forgiveness given freely by God, no matter what we've done or how we've done it or where we've done it or when we've done it, is forgiven. God expects us to forgive others in return. And then we get to poor Thomas. And the disciples say, the other day, Jesus appeared right in front of us. In the locked room, we saw him. And Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's fairly determined, isn't it? Not, I'll believe it if I can see it. No, I will not believe. He is really intense about this. And then a few days later, Jesus appears once again in the midst of them. And he actually shows Thomas his hands and his sides and tells him to put his finger into the wounds of his hands and reach out your hand and put it into the wound of my side. Thomas never got there. He was... So overwhelmed that he falls to his knees and declares, My Lord and my God. He was doubting no more. Doubt had left the room. In fact, I think doubt had left Thomas's life. We don't know a lot about Thomas from a bit of reading, he seemed to be a builder. But one of the traditions that has come down to us is that it was Thomas who evangelized India and brought the gospel to India. So not only did he stop doubting, but once the Holy Spirit had come upon them on the day of Pentecost, he got on with business. He got on with the business of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, left, right and centre, and going into the depths of India to do that. And India is a big place. 
And he is the first to take the good news there. And then John finishes this section by turning back to the whole reason he wrote his gospel, was to bear witness to the truth of these things. That we saw him. We lived with him. We walked with him. The one who had left heaven, the Son of God, and taken human form in the person of Jesus and dwelt among us. And then he tells us there's only a few of the stories that he could have told. So great were the things that Jesus did. So this Easter, in the midst of COVID, it's time to get on with business. Communicating the good news of the kingdom of God, which is our call. It's the call that Jesus gave to his disciples, to his apostles, and it's a call he gives to us that those who have been redeemed by his sacrifice on the cross, who is our saviour through and through, that he calls us to go forth and bring that good news to others. And let me ask you just one more thing as I've just thought of it. If you were Father God and Jesus arranging this thing, the cross. The crucifixion is a gruesome way to die because they nail you there. Wouldn't you, if you were arranging this, to have actually taken the wounds away after he resurrected? Why keep the wounds? God can heal anything. God can restore anything. He could have restored the wounds And do you know if you read Revelation, the whole of heaven is turning to this figure who's the only one who can open up the sealed books. And it's described as the lamb who was slain. Jesus. Jesus is carrying the wounds for eternity. Isn't that stunning? Why? Because God doesn't want us to forget the price he's paid for our salvation. For all of us. That this is so powerful and so immense that he never wants us to forget forget it. Because it is the means by which you and I and all who have gone before us enter into eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through his sacrifice for us. Let's just bow our heads in prayer.
As we've been worshipping this morning, Jesus is in the house. He's here at the moment. And from time to time, he would nudge certain people that it's time to get right with him. We want to give an opportunity to pray with you, if that's you. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you and nudging you about where you've been with him and the steps towards him that you need to make. And I'd just like you to slip out of your chair now and just come forward to the front to let us pray for you. Only if you've been sensing God speaking that way to you. That we want to give an opportunity for you today to make a new commitment and contact with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au